Let's take our Bibles, turn to 2 John this evening. 2 John. As I said, we're continuing this series of studies on Sunday nights of a longer look at the little letters. These four letters in the New Testament that just have one chapter. And some have called them postcards rather than a letter. Just very brief. And we've looked at two messages in the book of Philemon, and now we're going through 2 John the second time, and then we'll do 3 John the second time, and then the book of Jude the second time, and then we'll see where we're at. We may go through it a third round, we don't know yet, uh, but want to take a little longer look at these little notes that are written. And uh, this one here, 2 John, obviously written by the Apostle John. And I went over this in our previous message back in January when we were in this. Uh, it says it's unto the, el- the elder, unto the elect lady and her children. And so it is either written to a, an actual lady and her children, but there are many that believe that because of the, uh, the content of this letter, that the, this is referring to a church and the members of that church. Uh, he's dealing with apostasy. He's dealing with individuals that are coming into the, uh, to regions and churches and causing disruption with their uh, with their false teaching and their false doctrines. And so there are some that believe this is a church. Now, either way, whether it's a home or a church, both of those institutions need to be on guard for the devil's attacks. Amen. And for individuals coming in and causing disruption in a home or in a church home or a church body. And so um, either way, this could be that case. And, um, and so this evening, I want to speak to you on the subject of watch out. Watch out. This afternoon, Rachel and I, we were able to enjoy a wonderful lunch with an individual in our church at a, one of our local restaurants, and, and uh, we were leaving, Rachel and I, and uh, coming out of that, that, uh, that area or that shopping center, got on a little side road, and, and we came up to a stop sign, and there was a stop sign on the opposite side, but this, the, the throughway was, there was no stop signs. And so I look to my left, I'm going to take a right, and there's a car coming, and then another car behind it, and there's a car at the stop sign on the other side of us. Car goes by, and I probably could have turned right and been plenty ahead of them, but I'm a cautious driver, and I waited. And, um, but the car across from me did not wait. And I watched as I was looking down my left and see this car coming, a little Prius, And then out of my peripheral vision, I see the car coming across, and it wasn't speeding, and I was like, he's just edging out more and more, and then he picked up his speed, and before I could say it, I just said, watch, and I was going to say, watch out, and he T-boned this guy, and he spun him around, just missed our vehicle, and came over to a stop next to me, and I got out and couldn't get his door open, it was all caved in, and had to help him out of the passenger side there, and, but you know, I saw this coming to happen. I, I, I could see what was going to happen, and there was nothing I could do. Even if I would have yelled out the window or anything, it was not going to help in that situation. And it felt helpless. And I praise the Lord, nobody was hurt seriously except for the vehicles, uh, but uh, none of the individuals were hurt seriously in this accident. And, and I believe when we read this message tonight or this letter here, you're going to think that John is feeling the same way. He sees a collision that's about to happen, and he's going to warn with a watch out or a lookout. Let's read uh, this letter once again, just 13 verses. Follow along as I read this. The elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, 
And not I only, but also all they that have known the truth. For the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us and shall be with us forever. Grace be with you. Mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the sons of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we received a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink. But I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. The children of thy elect sister Greet thee. Amen. If you recall, in our first message out of 2 John, I highlighted in those first six verses, there are three words that John emphasizes or repeats multiple times. In verse 1, 2, 3, and 4, he mentions truth. Uh, In verses 1, 3, 5, and 6, he mentions repeatedly the word love. And then in verses 4, 5, and 6, he repeats the word commandment multiple times. Now, when you only have 13 verses, a little over 300 words, and those three words are mentioned multiple times, they're certainly there for an emphasis, aren't they? They're there for us to take note of. And so I gave you these thoughts. To protect us from apostasy, we must embrace truth, we must express love, And then we must enjoy obedience, obeying the commands that are before us. Now this evening I want to continue along these lines of the reality of apostasy in these days that you and I are living in. Church, this is an era that we cannot get away from. It's predicted in the scriptures And it's being fulfilled right before our very eyes. Churches and individuals, pastors, preachers, so-called Christians, walking away from the faith that they once proclaimed and seemed to believe. Let me just read a lengthy passage of Scripture. Let's go to it. I think it will be good for us to see it once again. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Please turn there. If you're not, please do so. I want you to see these scriptures tonight. And I want to read all of chapter 3 and down into chapter 4 just a little bit. I'll make a comment here and there. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, This know also, that in the last days 
We are living in the last days. We could go to the book of Hebrews where, where it's described for us since the death of Christ and since his ascension into heaven, his resurrection and then his ascension into heaven, we are now living in what's called the last days. From that moment that Jesus ascended into heaven until he comes back will be clarified or described as the last days. And so now we're not only just living in the last days, we believe we're living in the last of the last days. We believe the return of Christ is very, very soon. And so he says this, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. An equivalent word to that word perilous would be dangerous, would be difficult. Uh, We are living in dangerous days. And he goes on to tell us why. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded. Let me pause there. All of those descriptions, we would often look at those are things that are happening outside the walls of the church. Things that were happening out in the world. And and, and that would be true and accurate. But I want you to see also, these are things that are happening in the church. He goes on to say there in verse number 4, Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And so Paul says to Timothy, turn away from such, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust. The emphasis of verse 6 is not Paul's description of women in this. He's not trying to degrade women. What he's emphasizing here is this. These individuals that are false teachers, they're sneaky. They're deceptive. They're going to come in and they're going to try and find those that are weak and those that are, that are prone to be deceived. He's going to go after them. He says there's an ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. They shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Then Paul contrasts these false teachers and this spirit of uh, of apostasy in the last days with with, with, with true doctrine. He says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, Iconium. At Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Listen, if you're going to choose to live for the Lord, you should expect and anticipate some type, some form of persecution. We recently added a, 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 a section on our Wednesday night prayer sheets highlighting an area of our world where Christians are under great persecution. Well, I'm not talking about someone calling us names. I'm not talking about someone laughing at us because of our faith, but people that are, that are dying for their faith, people that are being jailed for their faith. And this is happening around the world, and we should anticipate and expect it in our lives. 
He goes on to say, evil men and seducers, in verse 13, shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. These things that are described in these previous verses, we should expect them to get worse and worse as time goes on. Then Paul encourages us what we should do. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect or complete, mature, through thoroughly furnished unto all good works. I charge thee therefore before God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Listen, what is this in the context of? It's in the context of false teachers. It's in the context of a days of apostasy and false doctrine that's being promoted. And so Paul says, no, let's preach God's word. Let's use God's word to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. And he emphasizes this thought with all long-suffering and what? Doctrine. For the time will come, verse 3, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. The day is coming, and I believe it's already here, where individuals will not endure or receive the sound teaching of God's word. And rather, they would like to find teachers that are teaching and preaching on things that they would like to enjoy, and, and, it, and it's pleasurable, and it's, and it's not uh, uh, biblical, but it's, it's certainly satisfying to their flesh. Think of that itching ears and someone that is able to scratch that itch for them. And that's what they're longing for. It says, they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions through the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. He says there in verse number five, watch thou in all things. There's that thought again that we're going to see in 2 John. You can turn back there if you will with me, 2 John. But church, I have to emphasize to you, although we must still keep preaching the word, trying to reach as many people as we can, um, uh, uh, try to grow, try to see the Lord do a great work here at Heritage and, and, and around the world, it's an uphill battle. It's going to be a difficult battle because we're, we're in a day and an age. Do you realize in the book of, in the New Testament, the, the, the thought of revival is not even listed. Now, we have a revival services coming up, and I think we need to have those special meetings. But you know what is mentioned over and over in the New Testament? Apostasy. A, a, a falling away. A turning away from the truth. We're living in what I would call dangerous and difficult days. And if you're not prepared for it, you're going to fall away. You're prone to drift away. You're prone to be drawn away in these things. 
It might come under the guise or the, the thoughts of a, of, a, of a kinder and gentler and, and, and greater uh, 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 a way of presenting the truth, but it's taking away from the Scriptures. And we must be careful in these days. Again, I mentioned in our first go-around in this book of 2 John, we talked about embracing the truth, expressing love, and enjoying obedience. Notice with me, those were the first six verses. Notice with me again verse number seven. For, or because there are many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Now, did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? Did, was he born of a virgin? Did he live 30-some years, a, a perfect and a sinless life? Did he go to the cross of Calvary and die a sacrificial death for us? Was he buried? Did he rise again? But there were some saying, no, that wasn't him. That's not Jesus Christ. And John calls them out. He says they're deceivers. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Someone that's against the Lord Jesus Christ is opposite. And John says there are many of them. Many deceivers entered into the world. We're to embrace truth, express love, and enjoy obedience because of this fact of these false teachers. Then we get to verse number 8, where he says this, look to yourselves. It's an interesting phrase. Look to yourselves. Basically what he's saying is this, look out, watch out. I'm, seeing, I'm getting ready to see a big collision here. So look out, watch out. And so let us take this simple message this evening and I don't know, I guess, uh, I don't know what I'm picking up from you tonight. I don't know if you're with me, if you're wondering, or maybe you're just deep in thought with this, but please hear me tonight from the bottom of my heart. We are living in these days where apostasy is going to abound, and you better watch out, dads. Moms, husbands, wives, kids, you better watch out or it's going to pull you away. It's a warning and we must heed to it. Let me give you three quick, simple thoughts and then we're going to transition after our invitation right into the Lord's Supper. Again, under the context of apostasy, we need to watch or look. Let me emphasize this tonight. Look to the truth. Verse 7, there are many deceivers. They're entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. He speaks of these deceivers, many deceivers. They're presenting incorrect doctrine. We talked about that. Now, a deceiver is someone that is described as someone that misleads and seduces they lie, but they lie under the, 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 the guise of someone they are not. In other words, they're not going to come in and it's not going to be obvious to us that they're deceivers. They're going to look the part. They're going to be 
they're, the, they're that type of person that when you see them, you're drawn to them. There's a magnetic personality. They must be good. Look at the way they talk and the way they act. They're deceptive in it. You know why they're deceptive? Because they're from their father, the devil, who is the great liar, the one that was able to deceive Eve and, and convince Eve and Adam to partake of this fruit. And the one that has lied throughout the generations and will continue to lie and deceive people. In fact, we're told of him in 2 Thessalonians that in the, the tribulation and that, that he will be able to convince people with a great deception. So these individuals, they're great at their job. And so how will we recognize that there are deceivers, that there are false prophets, that there are false prophets? Preachers amongst us. The way you dis discern that is by comparing them to the truth. And so I want to encourage you tonight to look, to watch, and be enthralled with the truth of God's word. These individuals are counterfeits, and the only way you can discern that is by matching them up to the word of God. John 17, 17, in Jesus' high priestly prayer he makes this, this statement in verse 17. He says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. I emphasize to you this morning, and I'll emphasize it again this evening, we must be in the word of God. You must be saturating yourself, and I must be saturating myself in the word of God if we're going to make it in these apostate days. Church, we need to be Bible-believing, Bible-reading, Bible-practicing Christians. This needs to be a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? A priority in our lives. And I would encourage you, watch or look to the truth in order to discern these deceivers. Number two, verse number eight. He says, look to yourselves. That we lose not those things which we have wrought or gained, but that we receive full reward. We need to look or watch at ourselves. Look at us. We need frequent spiritual checkups. I went to the doctor, oh, this was several months ago. I don't even remember what I went to my doctor for, but I went there and, and I hadn't been since the previous year. So they said, well, get it. Let, let's do a quick little checkup. And I said, okay. And uh, they said, step here on the scale here. And I stood up on that scale, and my doctor's like, hmm. It's a little different than it was last year. And I said, yeah, I got new shoes this year, you know, and uh, they're heavy shoes. And, and she's like, uh-huh. What was she doing? She was comparing me from last year to this year. So you're on a trend, you're on a direction that's, I don't like it. You need, to, you need to alter some things in your life, and it was all from a comparison. We need to do a spiritual checkup every once in a while, don't we? In fact, why don't you think about that? Where are you now compared to about a year ago? Is the trajectory headed the right direction? Or is it maybe drifting a different direction? What about five years ago? How do you compare to yourself spirit? Doing some spirit, I don't think you ought to wait every year either. 
I think we need to be continually doing a spiritual checkup. He goes on to say here in verse number 8, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Now he's not speaking here about losing your salvation. You can't lose your salvation, praise the Lord. By the way, if we could lose our salvation, we would lose our salvation. It's impossible for us to hold on to it. And thank God it's not up to us to hold on to it. He secures our salvation. But he's not talking about losing your salvation, but he is talking about the things that we have gained, the things that we have uh, been able to add to ourselves. If you're not careful, you'll lose some things. You can lose your testimony. You're not watching yourself, you can lose your testimony. Uh, you, you, could, you could hurt some other people by the way they look at you, the way you live in your life. You could lose your influence. Oh, this is difficult to think of. We could lose our families. I knew a, a family in one of my previous ministries, and uh, they went through some difficult times health-wise, had some things happen in their lives. When I knew them, they were fa- the, the husband and wife, they were faithful, active, great Christian people. And they had some children that were away from the Lord. Some children that were older, out on their own, and not serving God at all. And I remember talking to him once, he says, yeah. He said, I got away from God for a time, and it was an awful time to do it. It's a very heavy, influential time in my children's life where God wasn't important to me, church wasn't important to me. And he goes, it hurts me every day that I think about that those times of my life when I was away from God, I, I, I had an influence on my children that I don't think they're in church today because of it. He recognized that it was an awful time for him to get away. From, there's never a good time, but he struggled with his children not serving the Lord. Listen, you lose some things. You can lose your families. He talks about losing your rewards here. It must remind us that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're ta- told of the, uh, uh, the judgment seat of Christ. And that is a time of reward and rebuke. It's a time where the Lord looks at what we did for him or did not do for him. And so it is good for us to look at ourselves Examine yourself, the scripture says. In fact, we'll see that tonight in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 in the Lord's Supper, that we're to examine ourselves. So look to yourselves. When I was in Bible college, we had uh, my, our college president and the pastor of the church, his name was Bruce Cummins, and Dr. Cummins, and he had this wonderful, deep voice, uh, he, he you know, just uh, he, he loved the radio ministry, had a radio voice, just a, a, a powerful preacher. And he was also a, a, a hobby pilot, he had learned to be a pilot of single engine planes. And he gave an illustration one day of, of learning to fly with the instrument panel. And, and not just by sight, but on days where there was clouds or in the evening, having to fly by the instruments. And, and he talked about, and I don't know, I'll get all my vernacular right here. The, our pilots in here can correct me. But he talked about when you get just a degree off, the difference that can make. And he says if you're just going a short distance, it's not too bad. But the longer you go that one degree off, the farther you get from the destination. 
He says if you fly several hours, you could be hundreds of miles off just by being a degree off. He said it's good for us to check out the instrument panel every once in a while. Make sure and double check those things. And it goes back to looking at ourselves because if you're just a degree or two off and you continue on that trek, you're going to drift way off the intended landing zone. And so watch or look to the truth. Watch or look at ourselves. And then verses 10 through 13, he talks about watching or looking out at others. Really, verses 10 through 13, he highlights in verses 10 and 11 these false teachers. And then he talks about in verses 12 and 13 that he wants to come, John wants to come and visit this this family or this church family, whatever they are. And he's talking about those that you spend time with. Now the warning is stern in verses 10 and 11. He says, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine or their doctrine, receive him not into your houses, neither bid him Godspeed. In other words, don't even wish them well. Don't bring them into your homes. He's showing us the significance and the danger of false teachers. And then he goes on to say, listen, I want to come and I want to spend some time with you. I want to come and bring the rest of the message to you in person. And so fellowship is important. But it's important that you have the right fellowship with the right people. Becoming friends and fellowshipping with those that don't have the same Christian principles And the same theology can be a dangerous thing for you and your family. And we're to be a witness to them, we're to love them, we're to try to reach them, but you must be careful. You must choose the right friends and you must choose to be the right type of friend. It's important in these days. The right friends can be such a resource to your spiritual growth. I love to look around and see people that have become friends here in the body of Christ, here in our local church. It's a wonderful thing to see, and I think many of you would say it's been a big part of your spiritual growth, but it can also be a dangerous thing. It can also be something that can cause great problems if you're not careful. So I encourage you this evening to watch others. Now These are dangerous and difficult days that we're living in. But they can also be exciting days. It's exciting because Jesus could come back any moment. He could come back this evening. I believe that with all my heart. His return is imminent. It means it can happen at any moment. There's nothing left that needs to take place in order for it to happen. So that's exciting. It's exciting because there's an opportunity to reach people in these last moments. Uh, We need, praise the Lord, for 200 people invited to Friend Day. It's not just about a big attendance day. It's about the opportunity to reach somebody. That's the things we need to keep doing, and we need to be excited about that. And at the same time, be cautious of the deceivers that are out there. Let's be sure that we're watching out, looking out for these things that could happen, that will happen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this evening for just a few moments. This is an opportunity for us to have a season of prayer and the Lord's worked in your heart through the message this evening or in preparation for our Lord's Supper. 
We'd encourage you this evening to be obedient to the Lord, whether there at your pew or here at this altar tonight. Father, I pray that you take these invitation moments now, and Father, that you would help us, Lord, to look to you and to obey you. Lord, uh, I pray for us, Lord. I pray for heritage, that we would stay true to the scriptures. Lord, I pray for myself. Lord, I don't want to ever think that I would not be uh, possible for me to get off track. Lord, I want to stay true to the word of God, and I need to stay in God's word. I pray for myself. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ here, for our staff, for our Sunday school and junior church teachers, for the dads and moms and families that are represented here, God, that you'd help us or to watch out in these difficult days. Now, Lord, take this, these few moments now and help us to be obedient to you in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If the Lord spoke to your heart and you want to respond tonight at the altar as the piano plays, you, you be obedient to him or there at your pew.